Hello and welcome to Heart Yoga Radio. We're having our usual stroll through the Welsh hills today. And here on this October day, it's absolutely fabulous up here. The sun is so hot, it's uh, it's like almost burning me through my clothes. So it's a, <laughs> it's a very, very nice day. It's very pretty, isn't it? Perfect get, blue sky. We're starting to get all the autumn colours, aren't we? Yeah. So I wish you were all here because you'd you'd really love it today. It is a, yeah. it's very nice, especially especially good after all that uh, wind and rain that we've just been having. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely cosmic, absolutely cosmic it is. Anyway, it? so we, today we were thought we'd have a little talk about our beloved trust, <laughs> the trust administration. My God, what a what a what a gift to the world she is marvelous absolutely marvelous and uh but we want to talk about her um particular thing that she keeps banging on about uh which she likes to say three times because obviously it's a magic number for the tories yeah. growth 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 with her robotic arm yeah. movements yeah yeah I think she's got some uh, a tutor who's uh, particularly <laughs> yeah. trying to teach her to to actually gesture in a bit more of a natural way, and he's probably <laughs> tearing his hair up because she's so bad at it. Mm-hmm. But I notice every time she comes up with a new gesture, she you know so she, she's trying not to just doing the slicing motion in front in front yeah. of her. Sometimes she does it to the side, and sometimes she kind of does it up. But it sort of looks, she looks like a puppet with like strings on her arms yeah. where they're just being moved up and down. She so was, it's she's uh, a puppet. Yeah, it's pretty funny, really. Anyway, so growth. Uh, what the hell is she talking about? So, first of all, um, what does she mean when she uses this word growth? Because yeah. I mean, it's just meaningless blather, really. But, um, yeah. And it just sounds good. She just assumes that anyone hearing the word growth is going to think, "Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Liz Truss is excellent." Yeah. Um. So, but but really, what she means by growth is like uh, hell on earth for for us peasants, isn't it? Yeah. That bird agrees with me. I can tell. He did. He went. Wee, wee. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, what does trust mean when she says the word growth then? You can be sure you're on the ground of propaganda with this one. I mean, the clue is that that, that repetition, you know, growth, growth, growth. But, I mean, even the Greeks recognised that in rhetoric, you know, you repeat things three times. You have three qualifying adjectives and this kind of nonsense, you know. And that it would have some sort of special persuasive power. It's... it's it kind of works. People are sort of programmable, you might say, or that they can be modified behaviourally to respond in certain ways, you know. But a part of the thing is repetition. Dr Goebbels made the point. Propaganda is really a matter of keeping it simple, keep your message simple, and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. And that's what's going on with this growth thing, with, with the trustonomics. I mean, the big idea is an old idea that's uh, been around as long as the neoliberal project, 40-odd years. And it's the idea that if we let the wealthy get wealthy by not inhibiting their uh, exploitation of the working class, 
with rules, regulations, protections, trade union rights and environmental uh, care, that that wealth will trickle down and everybody will get a, a share of it. I mean, Trussie's big thing, she says, well, we're not about re redistribution. Redistribution means trying to make society more equal and fairer. Which, it strikes me, is something that needs doing, given that we have a trickle-up system. Trickle-down down is discredited. It doesn't work. It's empirically discredited. Nobody believes in it. Not even the IMF believe in it any, any, any longer. Except in the most qualified and, uh, way. But uh, Truss is thinking, uh, is resurrecting it. I mean, we know this is the thinking of the, the, the Truss gang. Because uh, we've actually got a copy of that horrible book, haven't we, Britannia? Unchained, I had a little yeah. dip into it, and it's, it's hair-curling stuff that basically says, you know, that don't let the working class get too uppity with the unions. Remove the regulations. Let, let uh, casino capitalists have, have their head, and, and it'll make the society wealthy. And it's, it's just not true. All that happens is that the wealthy get even wealthier. And we know this with the pandemic. British billionaires are absolutely increased by a, quite a large factor that their wealth over the period of the pandemic. Whereas, whereas people who live off wages have had their real cost of living cut uh, through inflation and the, and the absence of decent pay rises. So that in real terms, but, uh, the working class is worse off and, and has been getting worse off for 40 years. And the, uh, the, the seriously rich are beginning even more seriously rich. Now, if a figure... It applies to the US, where things are very similar. It's a similar kind of scenario playing out. The, the billionaires made, made two trillion just over the pandemic, extra from their normal huge income. So trust actually means by growth, growth, growth. She's, uh, it's all a shorthand for, for trickle-down economics, which she thinks she can sell to the public and of course growth you think well growth is good you know you have a small child you see it grow you think oh this is good you plant your seeds in the allotment and and, it, and, the, and, the, and you get your plants come through and they start growing up and bearing fruit you think this is good so growth's like a good a good word you know it's a word with charged with with fine connotations and she's appealing to all that but basically what does she mean by growth well Nothing extra specific, it, it is actually about propagandising for a deeply libertarian, in that horrible American sense, political organisation and economic organisation. Selling it to the public on the guise that it's a trickle down, whereas in fact it's a trickle up and a bonfire of regulations and a bonfire of government initiatives that's what she means by it so now we know what she means by it so what what actually is growth really does it have an actual definition i suppose so yeah i actually went and looked at the bank of england website because i thought they might know because this is a part of their um their trickery and uh, growth roughly is when the gross domestic product of, of, of a nation, of an economy, goes up, and it's usually measured over a, t a time period, so you say the growth this quarter is 2%. That means 
that the, the economy was purportedly 2% bigger over that period of a quarter. You say last quarter growth was, you know. And it, it's short for growth of DDP. Sometimes it'll be measured annually, and other times it'll be measured quarterly. So far, so vague. But of course, everybody uses it all the time. You know, it comes out on the on the news in the morning or on on, on Good Morning Britain or some kind of t- inane TV program. They say, "Oh well, growth is down. This is really bad." But nobody ever tells you what that is supposed to mean. When you start looking, what it's supposed to mean, and it's a little bit vague, to be honest with you. So, um, you know, GDP. Well, what's that? Everybody thinks they know what it means, but do they? I mean, what, what is GDP? What is this GDP that they measure to ascertain growth rates? Because growth really is a short term for like growth of GDP, gross domestic product. GDP means gross domestic product. And is it like a primary economic metric? You know, it's something that's got a, a quantity attached to it. So you can kid yourself that you're being scientific because you've got numbers and percentages and measurements and statistics. Here's what the Bank of England says about it. This is straight off their website. Gross domestic product, or GDP, is a measure of the size and health of a country's economy over a period of time, usually one quarter or one year. It is also used to compare the size of different economies at a different point in time. And then the Bank of England points out that the Office of National Statistics compiles the, the statistics for the government and, and for the public to know what the, this GDP is at any particular time. Now GDP, as, as the Bank of England points out, is actually measured in three ways. So there isn't even one GDP, there's GDP according to A, B and C. What, what they are, the, the measures are, you can measure it in terms of expenditure that's how much everybody spends in totality. The government, the people, companies in investment and buying products and, and sustaining life, all the rest of it, expenditure. Another is production. You look at how much has the economy produced, what is its value, what is its, its monetary value, the totality of production. And another is incomes. We look at the totality of everybody's income in, in the country and arrive at it like that. And of course, all of those three methods do give different results as to GDP. And I'm presumably economists find that they can attempt to use them in, in different ways. Uh, there's another thing about GDP is that it has a real and a nominal value, which of course doesn't get stated, you know, is it the real GDP or the nominal GDP? Now the nominal GDP is the actual figure, say, two trillion, right? The gross domestic product of the United Kingdom in the last quarter was two trillion, two two trillion pounds or dollars or any currency you want to measure. But what happens if over that period the, the pound has gone down on, uh, in its purchasing power in the world economy, or gone up, whatever, but has shifted. Its relative value has shifted uh, vis-a-vis exchange rates, which would impact on imports and so forth, and exports. But, but also, so there's just been domestic inflation. 
you know. So you really need to, to adjust your GDP figure to produce the the real GDP. The nominal GDP is just actually like the numbers, the number of pounds. But the real GDP, you need to measure it relative to where the pound was at before. See what I mean? So you've got these factors impact on it. So it, it slips off Truss's tongue. It, trip, it, it slips off every conservative commentator on, on, on the, the radio and the TV and the internet. It just slips off their tongue. Oh, growth, GDP, drought. But does anybody ever explain to you that this is actually this, it's this, this complicated? No, they just talk about pies. They talk about pies, yeah. Well, that was, of course, his... his Wearing the pie, you see, very important. Yeah, that's Trussie's, Trussie's metaphors to say, well, rather than... This is what they said. Rather than concentrating on redistribution, in other words, making society fairer, actually lifting some of this unearned income off the rich and using it for social projects, like free school meals, this kind of stuff. You know, or, or uh, financing a green industrial revolution, you know. So... Their thing is not that. They don't like redistribution. They believe life is intrinsically unfair and nothing should be do- done to make it fair. Right? Remember these anti-regulation people, anti-government people, they're straight out the Coke playbook. This, this, this is their guru, Coke, Hayek, Buchanan, Milton Friedman. You know, this, they, they are, that's stuck in the bloody past, you know. Now, over and against that, Trust is wanting to say, well, we don't do it, we just grow the pie so that everybody's, everybody's slice gets bigger. We know that, in fact, that hasn't happened. But that is what they're saying. Bigger pie. And I keep saying, well, pie's all very well, but what's in it? What's the content of the pie? Is this like a Sweeney Todd pie? You know, Sw- Sweeney Todd was a barber who, when nobody was looking, he would slip the throats of his people who he was shaving. Press a lever on the bottom of the barber's chair and they'd drop down into the cellar where his wife would turn them into pork pies, which they sold from the family, the family uh, pie shop next door. But actually, they were like Sweeney Todd's customers, you know. Probably so, should, I just hope Truss isn't listening yeah. to this because she'll think that's a really good idea. Well, well I, I actually think... And an excellent way to use the unemployed for I, maximum benefit. I think, I, I think the Trussian pie is, 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 is filled with human flesh. Yeah. You know, but... Uh, oh, you can just taste the suffering in those yeah. pies. It's um, delicious. I mean, if, if we're going to... If she's going to run with that metaphor, we could run with it as well, you know, and, and, and that is what you say. Well, it's all very well, but what's in the pie? Mm. You know, and of course, this brings us to, to the question of, well, about, about GDP, you know. So GDP isn't really a good measure, is it? No, of course not. You know, and even the Bank of England recognises that it has great shortcomings. Apart from being com- complicated between the different modes of measurement and between the nominal and the actual, it actually is very, very crude because any economic act- activity is counted. So if you had a pollution spill and you had to sort of borrow loads of money or print loads of money to clear up the spill, which could be a multi-million dollar, multi-billion dollar, that would go onto your GDP. You could spike your GDP because you'd had natural disasters. You know. Similarly, war, which is the example the Bank of England uses, says, "Well, no, nobody likes war. War's not. War, there's no way you can say war is good unless you're some kind of real fucking nutter, right? Nobody in their right minds think war is good, but it makes your GDP go up like nobody's business. So your economy looks great on paper. 
Nothing like war for stimulating an economy. Probably why so, my uh, trust is like really, really loves war. Yeah, I mean the other thing it doesn't account for is, for instance, the unpaid work of people caring for elderly relatives, and how much of you know, and the caring work that goes on in households, making sure the kids are fed, making sure the house is maintained, making sure the house is clean, making sure the laundry's done. You know, or there's a load of unpaid labour goes. To sustain in the economy. I mean, all of this is essential work. And the, I mean, it, that was a realisation that fueled, I think, in the 70s, the feminist um, call for, for wage, wages for housework, you know. I mean, it sounds like flaky, but actually it's not. You know, these, this is, these are all essential aspects of, of the economy. But GDP doesn't count them because you're not in the wage economy, you know, or you're not in the investment economy. So it's a poor measure. It's a poor measure, and it's not really capable of, of measuring things like, I don't know, happiness, contentment, empowerment, community, you know. Um, or the health. And healthy community, health. Even though a pandemic, you know, or, 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 or I don't know, say... Smoking-related illness, you know, could kill thousands and thousands of people. But all of all of that stuff that happens in the hospitals and in the doctors' surgeries, and all of that care that those people need, counts towards GDP. Similarly, with the environment, you know, as I said, a spillage, an environmental catastrophe would could, could spike your GDP in the positive direction. And, and ecologists are the people that criticise it the most, you know, and tr- attempt to come up with some other measures. Now I recall b- b- back in the day, Bhutan came up with its own its own measures. Bhutan was like the poorest country in the world, and the king of Bhutan decided he was going to bring out a, a new measure, which is called gross national happiness. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and people were taken with that idea, even though Bhutan, you know, it's, it's probably not a society we'd like to live in. I think it's quite an authoritarian society, a bit theocratic. And I mean, who, who knows now? I'm not I'm in a position to, to comment on it. But, it, you know, it, it's also a bit of a Shangri-La for hippies because it's got, like, gompers and llamas and that kind of thing going down there, you know, because it's in, in the romantic, in, in, in the high Himalayas. But uh, I was looking up the other day, I said, well, I know there are other measures. There are other measures, and one I came across. I'm not, I'm not vouching for this particularly, because I haven't looked into it enough, but the, my point really is to say um, that there are other measures, and that there, there is a realisation amongst economists and political people that GDP really is a pile of shit. It's not, it's not really measuring any, anything sensible, you know, as far as I can see. And uh, if they're using it to feed their trickle-up economics whilst pretending it's trickle-down economics, it definitely needs to be drawn into, into question, which, of course, is what we're doing. Now, I came across this thing called the Happy Planet Index. And, well, it sounds nice, Happy Planet Index. And it's something put together by the Wellbeing Economy Alliance. As people are trying to find some measure of well-being... You know, even though I don't know how cogent that idea is, how do you put a number on it? You know, 
Anyway, there's a thing called the Wellbeing Economy Alliance, which is also something to do with the New Economics Foundation. Um, this Happy Planet Index comes out of that stable. Now, I'm going to quote what it says on their website. The Happy Planet Index tells us how well nations are doing at achieving long, happy, sustainable lives. And then they go on to say, quote, It is possible to live good lives without costing the earth. They, do, they also note that only 27% of countries in the world consumed within their environmental limits. So it's a long way to go on, on, on this. Obviously, sustainable is the key word there. But happy is also a key word, even though, as, as you will realise if you listen to our podcast, arriving at some kind of definition or characterisation of happiness is far from easy. It sounds, again, it's one of those things you think, well, on the surface, this is, we can just get at this. Everybody knows what it is. And therefore, there'll be no quarrel or question about it. But actually, it, it is actually philosophically uh, tricky to the highest <laughs> degree. It's not to say we can't have a go, you know, we can't have a go. And I think you can have a go to try and picture happiness, you know. And certainly a long life, a long human life, if you're healthy, is a good thing, surely. You know, we like life, we believe in life, let's have as much of it as we can, uh, with low levels of suffering, obviously. So I think there's something laudable about what these people are trying to do here. So the key phrase is, a good, uh, good lives are long, sustainable and happy. Sounds good to me. So if a measure could be elaborated to do that with some reasonable accuracy, in, in the sense that you can use it to make predictions that are going to be in the right ballpark, and that, you, it's, that if you made policies according to it, they wouldn't be as disastrous as trusses policy you know it's kind of like crash the economy you know and the bank of england having to bail out the pension funds basically um off to a flying start she off is. to a flying start yeah i mean the, the whole announcement crashed the economy because even the city and even even the finance capital doesn't really believe in trickle down economics and thinks that 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 that, that trust is being naive and therefore is likely to crash the economy and, or at least do it some serious damage which therefore makes the country not a good place to invest and their, their whole point is if we've got this low tax economy low regulation economy with, with the, the cities you know the um, with, with, with the charter cities what they, they call them economic zones but f- foreign finance capital will, will invest even though you have to put foreign inverted commas around finance capital because it really truly is global mm. it's a global institution you know it's a global entity it's a country within the world you know of its own it, its own kind of extraordinary level of wealth you know Richie Stan is what Chris Hedges calls it you know Richie Stan now it's no coincidence I think that Paul Romer who was the originator of the Charter City idea and has pushed it relentlessly, and who was uh, Rishi Sunak's guru at Stanford, economics professor. He's also the, one of the economists that's tried to produce what he called like, growth economics, you know, like an economic understanding of growth. But from what I understand from a commentator called Oded Gaylor, is that uh, 
Roma didn't succeed in penetrating the mystery of growth or penetrating the mystery of inequality, which of course is related to growth, you know. So anyway, there's, there's no coincidence, you know, there is like an economic, there is a corner of economics theory that is being utilised by the trust mob. Those are the bounds of growth and GDP. And uh, I'll reiterate that trussonomics really is just a, a new version of trickle-down economics economics which is completely discredited empirically doesn't work in which the term growth is used almost completely as a propaganda term it's a propaganda term that, that works very well given the positive connotations of growth even though we should remember there is such a thing as malignant growth now growth as a concept is based on the growth of GDP gross domestic product but even the Bank of England admits that it's a crude measure at best. And certainly ecologically minded economists have, uh, have underscored that to the extent that there is like a de that there is a degrowth movement. I mean, in this context, I'd suggest that you go back over our podcast and you'll find a podcast that I did about Kate Raworth's book, Donut Economics, in, in which she... Really, I suppose, takes issue with the notion of growth, with the issue of GDP as a measure, and tries to indicate what areas of the economy we need to abandon or discourage, and what areas of the economy are worth investing in. So, where you do want growth, I mean, we want growth of well-being. You know, we want we want growth of of, of local, sustainable. environmentally friendly local economies. At the same time we want a degrowth of fossil fuel industries. And Kate Raworth's th thesis is, is worth investigating because it, it brings up the question of well, what, what do we value? What actually is valuable? What actually will contribute to our happiness, sustainability, well-being and, and longevity? So I'll just mention that, uh, Donut Economics, there is a podcast on it in our series. It's a few years ago now. Kate Roworth. So there are people coming up with other measures, and I've mentioned one, and I'm not, not necessarily vouching for that. It's something I'm, I'll probably look into. But I, I drew attention to it to indicate that there are other measures, and there are people seeking other measures. And I certainly think that... A long, happy, sustainable human life is, is a good thing and that a society should exist as a machine for delivering long, happy, sustainable lives to the people that, that, that live in it and beyond. It should have the ambition to spread that beyond its own borders, if it, if it has borders. But that does raise a question, well, it's particularly with, to do with happiness. Sustainability is a bit more easy to, to, to get a handle on. And a long life is a quite fairly simple thing. We can have statistics of, of life expectancy, you know, which, which tell us something about how a nation is doing, how long do its citizens live. But the notion of happiness is a bit more tricky. And basically the notion of happiness forces us to ask the question, well, what, what is the good life? 
What do we value? What do we want for our children? What do we want for our grandchildren? What do we want for our descendants who we'll never see and know? And yet somehow we care about if we're decent human beings. We care about the human project. So all that really needs to come into the, the public debate. And it's a bit philosophical, but at the same time, it's very close to home to everybody, because everybody wants to be happy, even though they might not understand what that is. They might go down blind alleys in the quest for it. And of course, sustainability, there is no point in human life unless it's sustainable, is there? If we're just like all now, just having an end of the world party, consuming as much as we can till it all just chokes on its own effluent. That makes no sense, does it? Nobody in their right mind wants that. So there is room now for a public discussion, a public debate, which is quite a profound one, and which incidentally the truss rhetoric, graph, 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 bigger pie, more cheese, all of that stuff actually exists, if you think about it, to suppress that debate. It wants you to take it for granted that growth is a good thing, without even knowing what it is, with never explaining what it is, never explaining how it's measured through GDP, never explaining why it, it's this universal value, except in the most simplistic terms. Oh, if we've got a bigger pie, all of our slices will be bigger. Well, not necessarily. The pie might get bigger, and the greedy bastards who take three quarters of it will take seven eighths of it, which, of course, is what actually empirically has happened over the last 40 years. So, my conclusion is, uh, uh, fuck you, Truss, and your... <laughs> and the horse you rode in on. And the horse you rode in on. <laughs> so, folks, don't buy it. So, if Truss gets her way, which it doesn't look like she is because she's... Do, done a lot of fu furious U-turns after U-turns and then there's some mm. U-turns on the U-turns but if she does manage to push the uh, the bulk of this uh, fantasy idea through what does that mean for uh, us folks on the ground the ones who uh, don't um, have their, their own mentions and um, huge amounts of money yeah Well, event eventually, the reduction of working people to uh, uh, to a position of near, near slavery. Or so I was wondering if, if we'd even get that, to be honest with you, because it seems to me that they are going to like proper crash the economy. I mean, like not, and there's not even you know they've been obviously planning this for a long time. The um, uh, disaster capitalism yeah. method but that only works if it's controlled up to a certain point and it looks yeah. to me that it's now out, it's very just on the brink of yeah. being out of control to the point where it's not going to even serve the rich people anymore no well that that is why they turned on you know finance finance capital gave it a vote and no confidence which i suppose is my other point that, that I, I, I omitted to bring up and place in my conclusion is that all of this depends on the casino economy, the global exclusive casino economy. You and I can't gamble in that economy. 
You have to be a special kind of person to go and gamble in that, that economy. And they rejected it. And that's why it won't fly. Yeah, it's too ludicrous and out of control, even yeah. for the rich people, isn't that's it? That's right, yeah. But the point I wanted to, ma to make about that is GDP exists as the measure that is usable and serviceable by those, those casino dwellers, the gamblers who gamble with our lives on a mass scale. You know, the, 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 the trillion-dollar companies like BlackRock. And incidentally, BlackRock is completely complicit with this attempt to crash the... Uh, the, the, um, with, with this near crash of the UK pension funds many of them because they've started producing instruments a bit like the CDOs that crashed the economy in 2008 and they, they're sort of based on guilt in other words go, go, government debt but they're kind of um, instrumentalised into, into like packages with a bit of this and a bit of that. And a lot of them are sort of quite toxic, these instruments. As instruments usually end up being toxic, don't they? Because they get too complicated. And they've got their hands on all of this, you know. And what I want people to be recognising is that we are in the hands of gamblers in a casino. But everybody takes that for granted. The Labour Party isn't talking about anything alternative to the situation in which GDP is the favoured measure of the global casino, the global finance capital casino. And for, for them, it's just a part of nature. And just for just about everybody, it's just a part of nature. It's just something you have to accept. And I would say it isn't. And who's, who's saying that? Well, Richard Wolf to some extent, and Yanis Varoufakis, he's saying, well, fine, until we modify finance capital, or basically demolish it, or, or basically remove its key element, which is the ability to trade shares. Unless we do that, we're not going to get the root and branch change that will save the world. I suppose this is what Mark Fisher called capitalist realism. The idea that these global casino markets are absolutely unchangeable, ineluctable. They're almost like the weather or the turning of the earth on its axis. Part of nature, but they're not. They're made by people and they're made by some pretty horrible people and they serve a certain power and wealth dynamic. So I think that's all, folks. If anyone's interested feeling in a kind and generous mood if you'd like to go into the uh, description underneath and locate our buy me a coffee link if you want to uh, buy us a uh, some soybeans <laughs> <laughs> or a carrot uh, that would be excellent that would be uh, very much appreciated so i hope you all enjoy coming on this lovely walk with us today and we'll speak to you again soon